Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I am your co-host Cliff Schechter here with the always intrepid, impressive, and something else that starts with an I, John Aravosis. How are you, John? Insipid, interesting. Oh, I could have gone with insipid. That's true. Incel. No, just irrepressible. Well, I think we're all incels after all us single people are incels after COVID. <laughs> Irritable bowel syndrome. Nah, just... IBS. Um, yeah. I could have so, gone. So, yeah. but, well, what's here? Well, important thing actually, where I think we should start, and then before I kick it to you for yeah, the yeah. topics today, because it's the perfect segue, is we're going to get to the topics today that mostly have to do with everything going on with Russia because it affects foreign policy, it affects domestic policy, and. It may, we don't have proof of this, I'm just saying, affect our podcast, because I wanted to apologize to you guys that we didn't podcast on Friday as planned. But the reason we didn't is when we went into our account, we were getting a warning that foreign hackers, well, it didn't say foreign, it said hackers, um, were trying to break into our account, and it warned us. And so John and I decided that discretion being the better part of valor, because let's just say... I'm not, I don't see myself at the top of the list of who these guys want to go after. But if you look back in 2016, they went after a hell of a lot of people who, you know, now are either never Trumpers or whatever, who weren't necessarily people you would have put at the top of the list. They just, they're insidious and they go after everybody. So we just thought, I don't know if it was them. I don't know if it was some other random thing, but John and I thought that at that time, if our system was warning us to, to not do this, to stay out, that we should probably stay out. So Sorry about the lack of podcast on Friday, but it was for good reason. <laughs> oh, topic-wise, uh, today's and what's that Ukraine, the segue to, John? Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. Um, that uh, you know, we're talking about Ukraine today. Cliff and I uh, are actually big foreign policy experts. We're not just people on social media talking about foreign policy like they know it. We both technically worked for international agencies, traveled internationally <laughs> under the auspices. We, technically, we did. <laughs> That's true. I, I don't know why I said that. It's sort of just a word you throw out there. We both worked okay. for, I worked for USIA, the okay. State Department. John worked for both the UN and were you on the Foreign Relations Committee when you worked for Ted Stevens? No, I, I was I was doing foreign policy and arms control, but I've done a lot of consulting for State Department, blah, blah, blah. We both have grand We both degrees traveled abroad relations. under the auspices blah, 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 blah. of the U.S. government trying to, yes. and we both got our, if it matters, master's degrees in, in this this subject and put a lot of time studying it and writing about it. And Can I so, tell you the, the – go on. Sure. I would say the, fun, the funny thing about all of that is that when I was in graduate school from 85 to 89, because I was doing law school at the same time, so it was longer, I made my specialty focusing on uh, Russian foreign policy. So I took a lot of Soviet, excuse me, I took a lot of Soviet law classes. I did a lot of Soviet foreign policy stuff at Georgetown. And then right after I graduated, the Soviet Union disappeared and literally Russia became unimportant. I mean, literally, it was as if it didn't even it was it was as if you decided to, you know, I don't know, study. I kept trying to think like, you know, well, the foreign policy it, of, it, of Nigeria or something. It just it didn't matter. <laughs> the landscape was changing, and Funny. this is what's really fascinating, because uh, if you put the time that John was in grad school studying these matters, 85 to 89, yep. um, I was in grad school a decade later studying studying this stuff. And in that decade, I, I, I don't remember if I brought this up on the show before. I feel like I have. I know I have in other places. 
The irony is you had like, you know, so I went to, to graduate school, international affairs, and we were all were there for that. We all had different things we concentrated on, international security policy or economic policy or communications. And, and the interesting thing is, but we all had to start off uh, our, the first year, the first, you know, right away in our two-year program by writing a large paper with our, our, with our thoughts on things. And the paper topic, because you have to remember, this is the fall of 97. Um, the, the topic for the paper was, should the United States admit former Iron Curtain countries into NATO? I swear to you, that was our first paper hey, we wrote about. Russia and argue was, whether Russia you was thought, one of the cliff. What? Remember when Russia was part of the yes, debate? Yes, I know. We were but, actually but, talking about, should Russia become a member of we NATO? We were, but, but, the, yeah. but there was, part of this was, will this, not just would this antagonize Russia if we admitted others in and not them, will this antagonize China? And, and they will China see this as a threat to their power? You know, like, and then there were these other obviously emerging and what would become dominant for a while concerns because it, only, you know, a year later or less, mm. the two embassies were bombed in Africa by Al-Qaeda. And so we started shifting attention even in that program in the security policy part of it from Russia to the Middle East. But but it just is interesting to me that that this topic now is blazing hot topic, like literally yeah. it was the first thing yeah. that I had to write. And I, yeah. of course, I will shock you by telling you that I wrote a paper on expanding NATO. Yep. And of course, and like I said, it became totally irrelevant in the '90s. We thought it was a, you know, the end of history. Remember, right here, right now. Anyway, what do you do? Oh well. Well, because we, we, you know, people for people who don't know the history, I think it's important to point out that in in first Gorbachev and then Yeltsin, neither of whom were perfect men, but who are and, and <laughs> Gorbachev kind of a little more perfect than Yeltsin. Well, Yeltsin, <laughs> Yeltsin, if he could have stayed away from the bottles, I yeah. think sadly a was, lot of it was, was the best. drinking that yeah. caused, you know. But in, in the end, I think it undermined him a lot because then he he, he elevated Putin. Um, and so, but a, a point, just point being, Yeltsin, I'll never forget that image, and I'm sure John won't either of Yeltsin standing out there, you know, defiant uh, when these tanks showed up as Russia was reforming from the right. old guard who wanted to go back to communism. And he stood out there and sort of like, blow me up, if you will. He got to look good for you on TV. You know, the, the whole point was, he was a stalwart defender of democracy, and yet then he handed over the reins to Vladimir Putin. So it's, he was either older and more decrepit, or the alcohol took its toll, or he felt boxed in, or whatever it is. But here he took this nascent democracy, granted with all sorts of issues, and literally just handed it over to a tyrant. And that's what we've been dealing with since. Hey guys, it's John. Just a quick break to ask you to please consider subscribing to our podcast if you aren't already. And if you really want to be a mensch, or the female version of mensch, whatever that is, maybe it's both, I don't know, uh, Cliff would know, maybe you could even subscribe and be a paid subscriber to our podcast, which would be totally cool. So go over to patreon.com slash podcast. that's unprecedented with an S like president, and uh, you can subscribe for as little as five bucks a month. You could really help us out and uh, be a strong supporter of our community. Thanks so much for listening. Here's the rest of the show. So let, let's get into some of that detail as we go on. I wanted to maybe first start with not really giving people an update because I think they're following what's going on. But let's tell them where things stand. And at the same time, we can weave in little updates on what's happening in the last day because as always, I think you and I follow news a little more than probably most people, even though our listeners are pretty well informed. Even but I more think than I would argue most healthy people should. 
more than most healthy people should. I, I agree on emotionally, that. Emotionally healthy. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I think let's let's tell people – I guess my point is I get a lot of questions from people in general, but I would suspect even our listeners, and this comes from almost part of the forgetting what we that we know what we know. People keep asking me, including people I really respect are asking – like out of D.C. are asking me, you know, do you think Putin's going to invade? And I was like, God, I, <laughs> you're asking me. But um, let's get into this a little bit. So I think – I think Putin's still going to invade. I, I, I will put a quick caveat on this. Hasn't he kind of? I mean, that's the hardest thing well, to know. That's he, one he, of the, he, he, right, yeah, that, that's one of the issues. Well, well, let me stop a second, and then we'll get into the details. I was going to put a philosophical overview on this first in that we've talked about it in previous shows. I've talked about it on my TikTok and other places that predictions can be accurate today even if they don't come true. And the point is that predictions, are, it's like predicting the weather. You can look at all the little variables and pull them together and look at models and say, well, typically this is what happens next based on today. But tomorrow, the news can change. The weather can change. Um, hell, tomorrow, you know, Ukraine could just decide to lob a bomb into the nearest Russian city. And then, of course, Russia's invading. It's hard to pre- – bottom line is we're going to talk right The point is now, there's always a lot of unknown Things variables. can change. Things can change. Yes. When you're talking about predictions, you can be right today, but a variable changes tomorrow and then the prediction changes. So right now, I think Russia's going in. Um, I think yesterday made that clear. Uh, Just to brief people, generally yesterday, uh, Putin recognized what his rebels call the independent republics in eastern Ukraine. There are two areas of uh, Russian-speaking Ukrainians that uh, Russian-backed separatists have been trying to – have been fighting a guerrilla war and trying to break free. Putin just recognized them. Now, that doesn't really mean anything, but but Putin also put out an order saying that Russian military they, forces – they send in quote-unquote peacemakers. Well, right. He's calling <laughs> well, peacemakers. Peacekeepers. Yes. yes. Russian peacekeepers, he's ordering them to move into the region if necessary to, to promote peace. So basically – Russia everyone, always known for their peacekeeping mm-hmm. missions for oh, circa three, 400 years now. Yeah. yeah, not exactly a peacekeeper, but I, and I want to throw this to you next. The the question then became last night: Is this an invasion? If Russia and mind you, I'm sorry. The backstory too is Russia has had troops back and forth in that region for eight years now, back and forth helping the insurrection. But the question became: Is Russia? ordering its troops to move in if necessary, right? So they didn't actually move new troops in if necessary. Well, I shouldn't say that. They may have moved troops and we don't know. Is that an invasion? And that became a whole discussion with the administration. I don't think they handled it very well last night. They did better today. Fill people in on the whole invasion, no invasion debate we started having last well, night. Well, I mean, it's because, it, it, look, actually, I'm going to make it very simple. Hmm. You you watch what Russia does, not what they say. What they say means absolutely nothing. Yep. So, oh, peacekeeping and these guys are breakaway republics. They've manipulated media going into the, of course, those far, those republics that are closest to them. They've used every tactic you can imagine to undermine sovereignty there to affect public policy or public views of things and whatever. No, no, no amount of whether it's anything that you'd laugh at that they call a poll or anything else is legitimate. So it's all just a whole lot of bullshit. In the end, you have a sovereign country. In this sovereign country, you have certain republics. And yeah, sometimes there are republics that want to break away. And whether those guys, a la, you know, like Northern Ireland or whatever, should have the right to rule themselves, these are things that, that these countries and other allies and whatever need to figure out. 
but that's not what Russia's doing. Um, what Russia's doing is they're playing the, the little game that, that and again, I, I, there's no other comparison I can make except to Hitler. And so I'm not, I'm not making the Nazi comparison here at this point. The, he's going to kill 6 million Jews, although I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't put it past Putin to kill anybody, but especially if all those Jews are standing out on balconies of Russian hotels, they're in lots of trouble. Um, But what he's doing is, is he's playing the game where he sees how much you can take, grab a little bit and grab a little bit more. It's the Sudetenland. Well, explain. I was just going to ask you, explain the Sudetenland issue, because a lot of people brought that up last night. They're basically not, oh, my God, it's Hitler. But quite literally, he's using Hitler's arguments Hitler used to invade his neighbors. Or his strategy, his PR strategy. So what Germany did in the beginning when they were trying to not bring on the full wrath. What is it, like late 30s probably? or Yes. But the full wrath of of, um, what we then – the allies, the, we, we were kind of neutral at that point, even though we kind of right. leaned towards and supplied the United Kingdom, whatever, but it was the United Kingdom, it was France. Um, they had a traditional alliance with Poland and, you know, in some other countries in the region. Right. Um, and so, so what they were doing to, as to their whole goal was we, we need to divide, and this will all sound familiar from what Putin's trying to do here, we need to divide, go in slowly, you know, provoke a little bit, but enough so the people in those countries are saying, this isn't worth another world war. I mean, everybody remember the devastation of World War I and didn't want it again. And and so after World War I, and this is a whole nother topic we should get into, um, a lot of stupid, uh, arrogant white men got together. I shouldn't even have to say that, but let's just say a lot of old old men got together and decided to create boundaries in countries that had never had these boundaries before which has caused so much trouble from Yugos- the former Yugoslavia to parts of Africa to what it's, it's, you know, what they enforced on the world because we didn't care about historical divisions. We were arrogant fucks, the ones that were doing this. And so the Sudetenland was, was a part of then Czechoslovakia that had a lot of German speakers and a lot of people that had in the past been in parts of like, you know, parts of German, various German what would you call them? Republics, magist not republics, um, kingdoms, because Germany was split for a long time until about the mid-19th century among various different sort of areas. And so, you know, what they, they, they would justify by saying, hey, well, Sudetenland doesn't want to be part of Czechoslovakia and they're English speakers. We, you know, they should be part of Germany. And then they went and invaded. Austria was traditionally allied with Germany. We're the same people originally. We all speak German. We're going to go into Austria. And of course, they went in without firing a shot. Like, this was what they did at first. They took everything they could take to build up strength and build up momentum that didn't require, that wouldn't lead to an all out war. And then, of course, with Poland, when they and Stalin split Poland, Poland had the alliance with France, had the alliance with England, and that finally led to full fledged war. Um, and, but, point being, this is the exact same strategy. It's hmm. the the, that group in that country don't really want to be with them. They're more like us. They'd like to be here. They'd like to be part of us. You know, is it true or not? Nobody has any idea. But it's not up to Russia or as much as it wasn't up to Germany back then to invade and make that decision for them. And that is where we are right now. So it's an invasion. They can call whatever the hell they want to call yeah, it. But and, I mean, the, and they're doing I – mean, and they're, if, they said that this morning, just, by the way. Well, well, let me yeah. give you an example. Rhode Island says they no longer want to be part of the United States. Or – some a few people in Rhode Island who have big microphones say it. We don't even know what the actual average Rhode Islander 
things. Um, but then uh, Canada or Mexico, pick a country, decides, well, they said they don't want to be part of the United States anymore. They like us. And they go and they invade and they take, would we consider that an invasion on our sovereign territory? Of course we would. I mean, it's the easiest way to, do, to figure out what, what's going on is when you make the comparison to our own country. You know, yep. so that's what it is. It's an invasion. Yep. Yep. And well, and the uh, Biden's people were a little wishy-washy last night. This morning came out very clearly and said, yes, it's being beginnings of an invasion. What worries me is, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'm still getting those angsty vibes. I was uh, not, up until last night. I was feeling pretty good last night. The Biden folks clearly got they got caught off guard by what Putin did. They weren't sure what to call it. And they let it be known they weren't sure what to call it. They put out some statements that were really weird about, well, well it's, Putin had it's just not- announced he was going to have a summit with Biden. Right. Yes. So, I mean, this is classic autocrat behavior, too. Mm. I mean, he, he's just trying to, to swing left and then swing right and throw you off balance. And so you don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> and so it was announced they're not going to invade because they're going to. Right to have this summit and try to figure this out. And then he goes and does that. And so we should expect that kind of behavior from him constantly. Yeah. No, that's um, uh, correct. Um, where are we going with this? I was, um, oh, yeah. No, in any case, so they, had a, little glitch, the they, they had a little glitch last night and they did. They were <clears throat> they were confusing a lot of people. A lot of people were weighing in going, wait, this. what do you mean? Because basically they were, they were saying, well, it's not really an invasion yet because Russia was already in that breakaway region or the alleged breakaway region trying to foment trouble. So if they move more troops into a region they're already in, is it really an invasion? And part of the problem with that is I, I was thinking, well, OK, sure, you got this big chunk of Ukraine that Russia has been funding separatists and and of course the population isn't supportive, but separatists in to try to break it away. Well, so if Russia moves a hundred thousand troops into that region and that's okay because they already had some troops there. I mean, it was a really weird statement from the administration that got a lot of people going, wait a minute, this is, and frankly, they did clarify it this morning and they said, no, 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 this is an invasion. It's beginnings, beginnings of an invasion. That's great. But I got a little bit of a feeling of, of, you know, trying to figure things out publicly. (laughs) They were airing the fact that they hadn't quite decided and they were a little confused and still working on it. Then don't fucking put out a statement that lets people know that. Anyway, they've got it. They just, they did, they've done a great job to date, but last night was a little bit of a wrinkle this morning. They're back on target. So let's see what happens. Well, again, like, I mean, you know, I feel like sometimes we have this, this, um, you know, we have this tendency on some things to sort of, uh, when it comes to these sudden kind, you know, huge um, controversies or these kinds of things, to judge them very quickly. You know, and and we do need to all remember. And I'm not saying, look, president, presidents, and administrations, they need to move faster and they need to be more consistent because of the age we're living in. But it still is important to point out that that we're living in an age where, you know, Franklin Roosevelt didn't have to worry about what people were saying on Twitter. You know, that were shaping the narrative or what people were saying on 24 hour cable or, you know, I mean, that, that's the issue now is when mm-hmm. one of these things happens, the, the beast needs to be fed of, of media and, and the Biden people or the Trump people before them were under the same kind of pressure. He happens to be a complete shithead and an awful person. So it doesn't he would have gotten it wrong no matter how much time he had. But every president is now under this, you know, I think even in a way. If you look back at Obama, wasn't until the second term, anyhow, because Twitter wasn't around and Facebook was nascent, and you certainly didn't have Snapchat and you didn't have Instagram or 
you know, early Instagram, I don't remember when it came mm. out, but it wasn't what it was now. Right. And I mean, you know, just the sheer amount TikTok of social media out there that can reach people means that that presidents and administrations and others have to move quicker with their messaging. And I've talked plenty mm. on this show, as you have, John, about their, the failures of the Democratic Party as a whole, of Biden's people at times or whatever, when it comes to messaging it too many times. But I do feel like on something like this, like you're under pressure to get to, to get something right immediately. And it's not right. as easy as everybody thinks. Right. No, fair enough. But you, but you know what? You're, I'm not going to belabor this because I think Biden, like 99% has done excellent with this. You're president of the fucking United States. You don't get the opportunity to fuck I think up public that's fair too. when dealing yeah, with I think that's fair. Yeah. And by the way, I realized that I'm going to stop saying the word fuck because I was on Stephanie Miller's show yesterday and everything was going great because they aren't allowed to swear like we are because they're on real radio. Everything was going great. I wasn't swearing. I controlled. I didn't swear at all. And then all of a sudden towards the end, Stephanie starts using the word shit. And I'm thinking in my head, well, shit's like – I don't think of like crap maybe, but shit, I never think of that being allowed. What happens? She gets me into a rant in the last minute about, I don't know what, I think Ukraine or whatever. And I let loose with the F-bomb. And literally it was the very end of the show where it cut off and she goes, oh my God, I don't think we got it. And I could tell she was visibly like, like distraught. So, okay. like, so that's actually kind of interesting. It's our fault though. So real quick, it's our well, fault. I know because we curse a lot. I'm used to I'm used but to I what, also don't get yes. so because yes. to me I thought shit and fuck were pretty equal. So we're saying that shit is is okay, but fuck is not. No shit. Look, shit is one step better, but I didn't think shit was allowed. But they did use the word shit on the show, which got me con- which got my mind into this mindset all of a sudden. And I realized when we get rolling on this show, we swear, and that's why I'm now thinking I've got to cut that back because it's hard for me to be on the air elsewhere and not think I'm on the air here. My muscle memory. Well, I will leave it up to you. My vulgar memory. Because Hmm. I go on Matt McNeil, our friend who has the AM 950 great radio show in Minneapolis, if you guys are there. I go on that usually. Well, it's on radio, regular radio. So anything that's on terrestrial radio, you cannot swear. And I go on that probably twice a month. So I have at least a, a little bit of muscle memory to sort of change how I do things. So I feel like I'm okay, but John, I get it. If you feel a need to, to tone it down here so that you don't bring it other places. I have I to. It. <laughs> it's confusing yeah. me. Oh, no. All right. So back to this again. So basically, you know, it, it, Putin isn't moving – well, there, he may be moving some more troops in, but he, the massive invasion hasn't happened. Um, some of the thought now is that Putin may try to drag it out because, like, this is the first step. And it kind of got everybody freaked out. It already showed a little bit of confusion with the sanctions, but now uh, everyone's coming out with some sanctions this morning. The Brits so far are the only ones who have done anything real. The U.S., I think, hasn't announced ours yet, but ours are coming. The, the first stage of sanctions. Um but the Brits did a, uh, a excuse me. The Brits did not do a real one. Let me stop that. The Germans did. The Germans are the only ones so far where they said they're now putting a pause on the big natural gas and maybe it's oil too pipeline, uh, Nord Nord say Nordstrom <laughs> Nordstream um, across Russia into Europe. So that's really good. Um, but but I was reading some other people last night, which. Again, putting aside the fact that the messaging was, was, I think, confused from the Biden folks, their point was, since Putin hasn't launched an all-out invasion, you don't necessarily want to hit him with everything you've got, because then at that point, he's got nothing to lose. He's already, you've already hit him with everything. Why not take all of Ukraine? <laughs> You're not going to do anything more. So 
hitting him. You have with to dole something. out the pain. Is what you have to do because you constantly want him to think more is coming, more is coming. Now, right. I will say, I think the U.S., for example, you know, maybe we're not going to cut him off from all the international financial stuff yet, if the Germans even let us. But maybe some of the top oligarchs need to be sanctioned now. Take away the money of five of his top friends. He's got thirty well, or forty you know, of a them. A few people, including you know? Rick Wilson, who we've had on the show, yep. you know, were making very good points the other day. I mean. Here, here's just another example, whether it's dealing with Russians. Uh, <laughs> that's, I'm glad I made that mistake because it was honest. Republicans here at home that essentially are, are at this point as much enemies of America, at least there are exceptions. And I will admit that people I don't like, but at least I know are, you know, I would think would support America, a Murkowski or a Romney or whatever. But on, you know, but when it comes to their overall party, right. in the end, their party's de facto position now is supporting, you know, is supporting Viktor Orban, the, the dictator in Hungary, who's right. thrown democracy more there, supporting Vladimir right. Putin. So it's when we talk about, like, kind of like when we talk about the messaging and we talk about the pain you have to instill, you can't sit here and play by the queen's rules. You have to look at these situations and know that you are dealing with evil aggressors who will only stop when you've made it so painful for them that they have to. That is all they respond to. Right. And so what, what Rick Wilson brought up and what some other people brought up mm. is, you know, stop what they shit where we freeze some, just freeze some bank accounts. There are oligarchs who, who have dual citizenship in the United States. We know work with Putin, with Putin, deport them, kick them the fuck out of the country, let them stop, oh, using, yes. Their, yes. Let them yes. stop using their dual citizenship as yes. a way to, to, to find ways to, if they are allied with Putin and I'm, and I don't want to sound like I'm some guy just kick out Russians. No, I'm not talking about regular people. But these oligarchs who who came over at, you know twenty years ago or whatever or went to college yeah. here and stayed here but remained in touch with Putin, all kick them the fuck out of the country. Yeah. And well, people and hold on. Yeah. And their yachts yeah. and other things that are yeah. parked here, grab them. Like seriously, make it hurt. Well, I, make that's them what I was going to lose say. actual yeah. things of value for behaving like yeah. this. And, and a they, lot of. We've got yeah, massive right. investments in the UK and Monaco and places yep. like that. Monaco is a freaking Russian cesspool of it's just like oh, well, trash. Like everybody's cesspool of, of Russia. No, but it's Russia. it's, it's, it's Russian. terrible for Russia. I'm just saying it's the usual it's, groups: Chinese, the, the yeah. Chinese ruling family, Russian oligarchs, international. It's drug Russian dealers, white trash. It's people with. It, they're just it's Russian white trash. I mean, it's 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 really you got to go sometime. You'll see. It's not not a happy no, place. I've been. But um, I, I know, not you. I meant y'all. Oh. No, I know you have. But, I meant but, y'all. but what I'm saying is the United Kingdom, you know, Monaco, I don't know what even at what hmm. point they're enough of an ally that we could make them do anything. The United Kingdom, Spain, the Spanish southern coast, a number of these places know who is buying these these condos and ridiculous well, homes. That's the issue. And the UK especially. There's Russian money all over the UK. There's they all know over it. the UK, but there's all over. Remember there was yeah. that tape that came out of that Spanish prosecutor that huh. actually implicated where he, where he thought that Donald Trump Jr. knew something about it. I have to go back and look at all the remember. details. Okay. Yes, yeah. a Spanish prosecutor talking about because in the southern Spain because it's very pretty and all that hmm. sort of stuff and it's a perfect spot where these guys love. Right. Spain needs to get on it. Um, uh, the the uh, the United States does Florida, another Russian haven. I mean, Trump right. bought Mar-a-Lago from a Russian oligarch. They're right. down there too, you know. Uh, I mean, all the, all of us need to get together and confiscate their damn property. But take their I mean, oh I, yeah yeah, just start doing it. Um, so we'll see. Let's see what the U.S. does today. I, I will say, I mean, Biden's got a, obviously a super strong background in foreign policy, so I, you know, I trust him on this. 
Um, well, at least he's got enough of a background, and we also know actually his he can make a mistake, he can fuck things up, yeah. but his interest is that of helping his country. No, uh, yes. Know? And at least we can trust that. Yes. Let me throw one more Biden caveat, and then I swear to God we won't do any more Biden caveats, but I think it's important because this is part of that as we move forward thing. Just keep an eye on him. As I've said before, he's got a little bit of Obama in him. I think Biden reminds me of a local politician we had in D.C. here who's was very good on our issues, but was always happy to cut a deal in the end. And what I mean by cut a deal is he would pull the rug out from under us in the end. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, let's have a compromise. He would just pull the rug out and go to the other side. I just it's just a gut thing I've got on Biden over the last year that I've gotten to see. I think Biden sometimes talks tough and then is always looking for a deal, not in a good way, is always looking for a deal as in sort of any deal will do almost kind of thing. And that's the one thing we just got to be careful of. Keep an eye on him. I hope this doesn't pan out. But in a few years, think back to me saying this and you might say I was pissed that day when John said it. But he's right. Biden does kind of cut deals that go way too far. I'm, I'm, because I'm not of, pissed. I, I, and I, you know, I worked you, for the guy in a campaign. Yeah, remember, you means um, vu here, Chris, and not because I uh, vu you. Now you called me Chris, which is even, you know, Chris, you, oh my you God, don't even weird. know who the fuck I am. I don't know who you are. Um, who I'm are kidding. you? I, I, yes, you who mean are you? new form of French where you're talking to everybody. Um, exactly. But I guess I'm saying, I, I, you know, I could have an emotional reason. I mean, I wrote ads for the campaign. And I'm not. I mean, I think you're doing an honest kind of objective analysis. And I, and He's a deal maker. I mean, Biden in in that way is actually what's Which is funny good. Is, the, is he's the actual thing that Trump pretended to be. Yes. Um, yes. But but you sometimes you need to be make sure that that you know not any deal is a good deal. Let's just say. But also defending him, I get very upset. And it first was the Republicans. Remember the Republicans were those ones in that polls years ago that was like, oh my God, you know we don't want our members of Congress compromising. And then liberals started to pick up on that too. I'm fine with compromising, absolutely. But it's it's well, the devil's in the details. Well, this was Obama's problem too, huh? I mean, what? the devil's in the details. That, well, uh, the devil's in the motivation, bill, I will say. The infrastructure bill is a perfect example. We compromised, and I'm damn glad we did. It was for an infrastructure I am, I am bill. I am too, actually, because I think we would have had an infrastructure bill where we needed – I mean, yeah. again, there's structurally unsound yeah. bridges across the yeah. country. One fell into the fucking water in Pittsburgh a month ago. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, we're supposed to be a first full country, theoretically. And we well, have spent on our infrastructure, and that creates jobs, and it does all these other things, yes. too. So, I mean – that was, you know, I'll right. always be happy with a smart and good bipartisan right. deal. I just don't want bad ones. Well, and the last point I'll make, and then we'll go back to Ukraine, is you you don't want to appear to compromise out of weakness is what I mean. You don't want to appear to compromise because, oh, yeah, that guy will say anything, but we know he'll always give us three quarters of what we want. That's right. the thing you don't want because, anyway, let's go back to this. So, and you're concerned that, that, that that's Biden. And that's um, fucking, look, that's not, I think he's got the, the Social Security stuff. And I kind of ignored it during the campaign because I was a Biden guy after I was a Pete guy. But, you know, there was Bernie's you attacks think he's on got him. the what stuff? I'm sorry? The Social Security stuff that Bernie brought up during the campaign, that yeah. Biden was willing to put Social Security on the table. I he think was. in the end, he's a little too much of a real politic compromiser where where there may not be anything that he says, no, you know what? That goes too far. And that's what worries me with well, I, I don't want to spend you. more time on this. Well, but think- yeah. I don't yeah. want to spend much more time. I, no, you finish I, and then we're going to move on. I actually yeah. agree with you. And I think there's a lot of reason a lot of people on the left did not like Biden 
in for the you know the early two hmm. thousands and whatever, and did not like even Barack Obama picking him for oh. that reason. Um, uh, but what I will say is, as the party has moved to the left, and I'm not talking about far leftist nuts, I'm talking about in good ways. Right. And the party's moved to the left, away from DLC nonsense. Um, so is Biden. I mean, the stuff he has proposed, that's the thing, is, there, is, hmm. is it gets lost in, in everything because the media refuses to report it and Joe Manchin becomes the story and then the right piles on and then, you know, the far left says, oh, this is a bunch of crap. But, you know, the what he's passed so far in both the COVID relief bill and the infrastructure bill, and if, he, if he'd gotten <clears throat> the Build Back Better bill, it's LBJ territory. Oh, it's huge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 well to the left. So it's not that I don't think it's his his nature. I do think is to compromise sometimes too quickly. But I think at this point in time, one thing that's changed is the party behind him. The, he he and, and, the, and certainly the people around him can read the room. Yep, and it's it's not the same party it was 15 years ago. Yep. It just isn't. So mostly uh, in a good way. Yeah, finish up and then let's get back to Ukraine because I don't want to. So, okay. No, no, I just didn't want to spend too much time getting off into the weeds, especially since I think, again, 99% of the way Biden has done a, other than last night, Biden has even Condi Rice, Condoleezza Rice was on, um, you know, one of the top Bush, Bush officials was on CNN uh, on Sunday and said, I think it was CNN and said, you know, Biden was dealt a really bad hand and I think he's done an excellent job. Well, she was in the past, you know? anyhow, an anti-Russia hawk. Yeah. Um, well, aren't and, we all? But yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. But she looked silly when you know when when Bush first got elected, and she was talking about Russia being the you know our most difficult geopolitical concern in two thousand two thousand one. Right? I think nine eleven kind of yeah proved it. You know, we do know now. Can I tell you? Some, can I tell you something real quick? I'm sorry, yes. but I interviewed her during the campaign, and and I don't think. Yeah, she wasn't necessarily – they didn't mention they were going to point her to anything, but a friend knew her. I got to interview her for my well, – I was, I was on about.com at that point. And I looked through the tape after 9-11. We never even discussed terrorism in the entire interview. It didn't come up. Well, she yeah. refused – remember, she's yeah. the one that kept telling Richard Clark <clears throat> that he was crazy when he kept going to her and saying, oh, right. how are you not looking at all, all the sort of flash, right. flashing lights, you know, arresting Masawi, the one up in Minneapolis for trying to learn how to fly a plane, but not land it, you right. know, and all these, other, I mean, like that's one of a billion things. There was so much stuff out there and she was so solely focused on Russia. She yep. was, you know, and, and so I wouldn't even get into her advocacy in Iraq and all the other idiotic things she did. But the, but the, 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 the issue is, is that, you know, people were like, well, she was right now. She wasn't right. Like, it was important to keep an eye on Russia. She clearly was right about that. Right. And some people on the left lost, lost, didn't pay close enough attention and didn't have their eye on the ball. But she yep. completely didn't have her eye on the ball at what the biggest threat was in yep. the early 2000s. She's, she's smart, though. I mean, I was still very impressed oh, no. with her. I mean, no question she's, intelligence. She's, no, no, but it's not just that. I mean, she's, um, I, I, she's got a lot of good takes on foreign policy. It's just, you know, Again, no, which is also why I think it's impressive that she's not even vaguely letting the politics come into her analysis of Biden. I thought was very good. In any case, so let's go back to this. So as far as what happens next, some of the experts were saying they thought that, you know, Putin's got his little a little bit more of a foothold in. He's shaken the West. That's what got us talking about the Biden thing. He's kind of shaken. At least last night shook Biden a little. They were sounding confused. There was the issue of whether the allies would jump on, although now the allies are applying sanctions, which is good. And they were saying. He could just sit there for a while. The problem is, from what I, you know, from what I know and what I've heard, 
you know, it's very expensive and hard and also uh, uh, morale problems of keeping troops just sitting there on a border for a couple months. Um, I was reading last night, there are reports that COVID has run rampant through the Russian troops that they've got in Belarus. Just rampant. And they're getting bored to death. They're out like stealing things from the locals. They're selling stealing shit from local houses and yes. stuff like that. They're selling they're, their equipment for booze. Did you see that? Yeah, they're selling their guns for booze, <laughs> which is always good. And they're yeah. freezing their asses off. Because, uh, that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, know? you know, there, there's an issue of how long you can you can drag it. But I will say it is it is interesting it's interesting. I guess the question is what Putin wants. Look, this is the other point. Maybe we could get into some of the other stuff you're messaging you wanted to talk about, you know, Marcy and all of that. But one of the things you've got to keep in mind here is, you know, Putin talks about NATO and NATO expansion and nobody, nobody was talking about. I mean, 12, 14 years ago, you know, Ukraine talked about joining NATO, but nobody was talking about Ukraine joining NATO anytime soon. Putin's problem and Ann Applebaum who writes for the Washington Post and others, was the one who really pointed this out, I think, the best. Putin doesn't want a Slavic democracy on his border, a functioning Slavic democracy. Russians consider the Ukrainians to be their brothers, at, or their cousins at least, and their brothers at best. And watching that function freaks him out because he's afraid it's going to catch on at home. So whatever he does, he's going to have to keep destabilizing Ukraine. And the question becomes whether – I think – I think had he just wanted to help foment more problems in the east, in the you know the breakaway regions, so to, although I hate even calling them that because they're not breakaway regions. There are Russian separatists funded in those right. regions. You could have just – he didn't even need to move troops in the area. He could have just announced that he's recognized the regions on right now, Cliff. That's what worries me is that putting almost 200,000 troops are saying now, 190,000 on Ukraine's border, you don't need to do that if you're just going to recognize a breakaway region. You don't need troops at all. So well, something more is coming is my point. This isn't enough. Um, I mean, look, again, like you, you, sometimes the thing is, it's, you know, when they say believe somebody when they tell you the first time what they want. Right. This, this guy has never Maya hidden. Angelou. Yes. Maya Angelou said that. This guy's never hidden. There's that Russian professor, the one, I can't think of his name, uh, who, who Bannon is a huge hmm. fan of, of course, too who's a Russian nationalist and who Putin is allied with. And like that guy and Putin himself have come right out. They believe that the, all the old Soviet Union should belong to them again. And right. you were kind enough to say that you're only going to go after Russia for stuff they did since 19, <laughs> since World War One when I started ripping them on Twitter. But the truth of the matter is, is that Russia had possession of all sorts of foreign lands that they've had for hundreds of years that do not belong to them. Right. That after the Soviet Union fell, you're, you know, at least got some semi-independence from them. Add a stand to the end of any name of any country, whether it's Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, all these places, people tend to only know about Pakistan and Afghanistan, but all these places in Asia, they invaded when they had an empire and they held on to them for hundreds of years against their will. Azerbaijan and in Armenia, and then in Eastern Europe, everybody knows those much better. Everything from half of Germany to the Baltic states to, to you know, wanting the old Yugoslavia back to they believe that, that they have the right to that. That was when they were great, when they had the large first Russian and then Soviet empire. And that is what they aspire to. And when you know that, when somebody has said that out loud, then you kind of, you know, you kind of know what it is that they're doing. And that's why you have to stop it right away. And it's not the, you know, from all the sort of 
Tulsi Gabbards and Glenn Greenwalds and Tucker Carlson's and Rick Grinnell's and all these people that are that literally have become part of what I like to call a you know a now Buchananite if people remember what Pat Buchanan's policies were realignment of the Republican Party behind Putin and white nationalism. He is their savior. There's a reason David Duke went and lived in Moscow for a while. And, a, and by the way, David Duke endorsed Tulsi Gabbard for president. Hmm. There's a reason that. Oh, I um, forgot about that, did he? Yes. I totally forgot. Oh my God. Yes, he did. <laughs> oh my. Um, there, there's, you know, there, there's a reason why when you, when you start analyzing all these, oh, Franklin Graham. There's a reason why Franklin Graham prayed for Putin. That's who he was praying for. He came right out and said it. These are, these are not, first of all, they are traitors. They are against their own country. They see the United States as, as, you know, in the same way that any white nationalist would, because we have a multicultural, multi-ethnic country where we strive for equality. Putin is their hero. That is yeah. who. So the Republican Party has now realigned behind this white nationalist, far-right, isolationist view of things where the Republican Party kind of used to be in the 1920s and 30s. Hmm. Um, that is where it's come back to. And this is a use, this is just an analysis one has to, to make. That should they give you these, so they'll throw out these false choices at you. Well, you want war. You want to send all the troops over there. You're going to go over there yourself. Well, nobody wants war. The, the whole point is to, to make such a show of force, all of us, allies, together, that it will prevent war. Right. Because you never stop war by letting somebody do what he, what Putin wants to do. Again, the Hitler analogy works, but so does the Stalin one or anything else. When you let them do these things, they do more of these things. It right. emboldens them. Right. And so that is what we're talking about here. I don't want a war. I don't think we should lose one life over there. I also know that if, if he's not stopped there, there'll be other places next on his hit list. And eventually we'll lose a lot more. Well, let me let me get, get, guide us into a discussion on that, because one thing that's really fascinated me is how much the experts, and I say that with respect, not with derision, um, people like James Clapper on CNN last night are very worried about this turning into a much wider conflict where Putin makes an attempt at, at going after NATO countries such as Poland, such as especially they're talking about the Baltic countries, which are the three in the far north, Latvia, Lithuania, Lithuania Estonia. Yep. Yep. I used to always get them confused with the Balkans than the Baltics. So I always like they, they do sound alike. It is true. Isn't it funny? Well, the name, the word. So I, I always like to delineate for people which is which. Um, the Balkans are, you know, former Yugoslavia. Hey, look, that. George W. Bush got Slovenia and Slovakia mixed up. It can happen, dude. Well, but there, yeah, yeah. The difference so, is, is you're not is that the people we're talking to aren't president of the United States with a big briefing book. So right. Um, but what is interesting to me, and I'd like us to talk about a little bit, is I have been surprised as to what degree they're worried about this happening, about Putin going after NATO countries, because to me, going after a NATO country is an act of war. It is World War Three. We have to respond as if it is an act. Of war, because it is. It is not any of this. Well, we're going to put more sanctions on you. You touch a NATO country and it's war. Um, that's the whole point of the treaty. <laughs> and what worries me is clearly the experts think he he very well could. Now, the problem, I guess, is it depends what they mean. Knowing Putin, he's not just going to roll tanks into Estonia because that would just you know trigger a war. Is it that 
he's going to start funding separatists and somehow that's not enough for us to do anything major. You know what I mean? That it's, it's that he, he grabs a little bit of land. You know what I mean? I mean, imagine he grabs two miles of land in some village and we're going to really nuke him. Right. That it's, I mean, what do you think? I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that they're so worried about Putin going after NATO because I would have thought well, that would have been a red line, but clearly they, they're afraid. You have to remember these days also, some of the, the diplomacy is conducted in the media. I mean, it always was, but media mm-hmm. is a whole different beast than it was a hundred years ago now. And so I think you, you have to have people with sort of the credibility of Clapper and others out there saying they're worried about this and making it clear that this, this cannot right. happen. Right. Lest you know, this guy think it can. Right. Um, I'm quite sure, and again, my opinion here, I can be wrong, that he will not go into a NATO country because he's smart enough to know that there's a requirement for us right. to respond to that. And right. <clears throat> therefore, it is beyond our control and there will be a war. Right. Um, but short so, of that, they're clearly worried. Well, I mean, everybody should be worried. You've got a, a, an asshole bent on world domination who owns nuclear, a lot of nuclear weapons and has a big army and has the kind of callous disregard for life that dictators have. And that's, I mean, as you just pointed out, his own soldiers are sitting there freezing their asses off, not getting enough food, going to sleep hungry. I mean, the point is he doesn't care about anybody except for his ambitions. Right. So we should be worried. But right. I, I'm just telling you, that that is such a step. <clears throat> well, that's my country. point. Then what are they worried about? But nobody, even you, what are you worried? I mean, you've got to prepare for the worst, but I don't right. see Putin invading these countries because it literally is World War Three. And I hate to say it, but not, I'm not here to say it. I'd support World War Three. I mean, it's it's as if he takes yeah. Rhode Island. You don't have a choice. So what? I, I, but I mean, you have to worry. You do have to they, worry, even if you don't think it's going to happen. John, no, you they think it's going to happen. It. They think it's going to happen. That's my point. You I don't know if they guys. think it's going to happen as much as they were sending a signal. Clapper was very worried. Clapper made clear he was very worried about something happening with NATO as the next step. And he, he I'd have to find the transcript. He came out and said, no, no, I'm really concerned about that. He said, this is not, he's not just after Ukraine. I'm really worried about what his next steps are going to be in terms of going after well, NATO. Okay, so and that made me think, what? Okay, yeah. You finish. No, no, just that. Um, that made me wonder what specifically, because he thinks Putin's going to do something. Tomato. There's a long game here that we've all been playing. Um, sadly, we've been mostly on the receiving end of this long game. Right. But the long game has been now since Putin consolidated control, which is, I think, 2004, if I look back when he won the election. And yes, Medvedev or whatever his name is, right. you know, technically, before he could, Putin got the constitution changed, he had to step down after two terms from 2008 to 2012. But he controlled that, even from the prime minister position or whatever, he controlled the government. And since he consolidated power, his his goal has been, how can I reconquer these countries and do this? And how was Hitler able to do it or others in, in history? And the way they were able to do it was by dividing people. How do you divide them? Well, you get Donald Trump elected president of the United States, and you try to elect as many Rand Pauls and and people like that as you can. You Tulsi Gabbards to Congress. You you push hard and put money behind, as we know they did, the leave policy to 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 break up and cause friction in European alliances. They successfully pulled that off. You tr- you literally give bank loans, which they were busted for doing, to Jean Marie Le Pen. I'm sorry, uh, the, the uh, daughter. The, yeah, um, uh, Marine. 
and her, Marine well, her Le Pen, parents, who's a yeah. far right, also far right. Yep. You know, you know, you know, who would have done Putin's winning? Thankfully, right. they lost that one, and Macron won. Um, the point being is, while NATO, EU, these other groups are united, he won't. In my humble opinion, he will not do it. The reason he started all these operations was for the very reason of wanting to split NATO up, wanting to kill it, wanting to end it. Uh, right. Wanting countries to leave it and say we are no longer a part of this, which is you know, which in the end he he he, he sort of caused some economic turmoil in the United Kingdom and Europe with right. that. But the United Kingdom is still part of that alliance. He caused real trouble with us, pissing off our NATO allies, or whatever. But then we got Trump out. You know, he wasn't able to win with Le Pen. He definitely is very supportive of Orban. You know, in Hungary, which is a country that was a democracy, he's now successfully undermined. But I'm pretty sure he's supportive. I'd have to look up Erdogan in Turkey, a NATO country that worries me more than any other because I can see that guy causing, right. you know, I mean, it, it is a defensive pact, as in we're not required to defend them if they commit an offensive war. But as right. we know, people can spin things different way, and Turkey can try to find a way to be like, oh, we were attacked. Um, right. So I, I guess what I'm saying overall is while this NATO is function, functioning and intact, I don't see it happening. But again, like I could be wrong and Popper could be right. Like, you know, I'm not saying I'm, right. I'm the all knowing here. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm on a green wall. I don't know everything. So my feeling is, he, you know, that's so badly why he doesn't want Ukraine in uh, NATO, because if it's in NATO, he can't attack it. Um, so uh, right now, if I were not a member of NATO, I'd be much more concerned. Uh, correct. Yeah. In any case, just wanted to raise it. Um. So you wanted to talk about Marcy and Greenwald and like the the appeasement caucus. I think we've talked about most of it. Look, you know, I don't know Greenwald. Did you get into the Greenwald stuff? I'm sorry. Did you get into the Greenwald stuff? Was I spacing out? Yeah. No. I mean, I'm not oh. spacing out. I'm just saying I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel a need to get into it all. I mean, I got into a Twitter. Oh, okay. Fight with him, and he's a big bully, and it's funny. I mean, I, I do enjoy that. That, that it's kind of reminds me of Democrats and Republicans, right. which is Glenn is willing to get personal and go after you and get nasty. And most people, when that happens, just back off. It's the same yeah. thing with when Republicans take Democrats. Oh, we don't want to sink to their level. You have to sink to their level. So what I did is I got personal. I got nasty. And I pointed out his hypocrisy. I ripped the shit out of him. I mocked him. And he, he did what he always does when yeah. anybody does that. When Marcy does that, he refuses to answer her. He, he's probably blocked her at this point. When other people do that to him, well, that's what he did with me. He ran away with his tail between his legs and disappeared. That's what he yep. does when, when yep. anybody actually fights back in the way he fights. Yep. But the, the broader point is, is that he when, when I went after him, I went after him for a specific reason. It wasn't just because I like ripping Glenn Greenwald, which I do because I think he's a yeah. traitor. But um, it was the fact that he, he was doing one of these things where he's trying to make it like the bad guys, you know, because the left or neocons or whatever want war. You know, we're the ones who want war with Ukraine, as opposed to, you know, what I was saying earlier, which is this realignment of the far right and the far left around with bullshit excuses around whatever it is that authoritarian countries, particularly Russia, wants to do. And the disinformation on places like Twitter is a key part of where they operate. So they turn it into, you know, they turn it into oh, well, it's not really an offensive move. It's defensive. And when, you know, the, they, they parrot Russian talking points, and, and you pointed this out earlier with Rick yeah. Grinnell and, and Rich Lowry and these other chumps, who would say, oh, well, look, I mean, Putin never attacked when he was under Trump. Right. He only attacked under Obama and right. Putin, Biden. And of course, the easy answer to that is because, yeah, he has to when it's under them because they, they right. actually won't just let him have what he wants. 
The difference right. is, is that he doesn't need to attack anybody when Trump is in control because Trump kind of laid out the red carpet and said, whatever you want to extract from these places, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they, they, I mean, again, I don't like using this lightly. And there's a dangerous history of this in this mm-hmm. country. And so I don't want to seem like I'm somebody who like anybody who doesn't agree with our policy, you know, is a traitor. That is not what I'm saying. There are a lot of people who, who may think, no, I don't, you know, and, and may have reasoned arguments and say. But a lot just, of them are traitors. Well, yes, but my point is they aren't by definition disagreeing on policy. Correct. They're on Twitter and on their little sub stacks and on you know Fox News repeating literally exactly what Putin is saying. Oh well, these these people in the you know in the far eastern part of Ukraine don't want to be part of Ukraine. Where's the proof? We don't have any. We're just claiming it. You know, yep. if they repeat, the United States just wants it as an imperial commit an imperial war like Iraq. We just want to go to war. There are no, but nobody's going to war right now, right? The, the only thing we've talked about is sending troops there as a protective line. Nobody's talked about, hey, let's go and attack Russia. They try to conflate that. Um, right. I mean, they, they are, so again, I don't like using this lightly. They are a fifth column. Yeah. They, they are traitors. Rick Grinnell yeah. is a traitor. You know, uh, yeah. Glenn Greenwald is a traitor. Tulsi Gabbard, who served in the military, is a traitor. Um, and I mean, Flynn goes without saying, and a whole bunch of them. And I, I just think it's important to keep this in mind because they're going to keep flooding the zone with yep. bullshit. Yep. And so when you see the, I guess from a messaging standpoint, mm-hmm. when you see one talking point that you know that seems dumb to you, like, "Oh, it didn't happen under Obama. It only happened under Obama and Biden. It didn't happen under Trump." And you see that come from a number of them. It's planned. It's part of what they're doing. Just know that. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Well, interestingly, um, while we've been doing this, the Supreme Court came out with a decision where Trump was rejected eight to one, oh. which makes me pretty happy. I'm sure the one oh. was Clarence Thomas, but I could be wrong. Um, sure. That that his executive uh, privilege bullshit does not cover documents having to do with the insurrection. Oh, my. Wait, so they already got, denied it? Yes. Holy shit. And they didn't just already deny it. They denied it eight to one. That was fast. So that was bad. Even wow. Even his 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 um. He, but what basically what Trump wanted is he wanted the Supreme Court to to review, right. and by review, slow walk and all that, and slow it down. The January sixth right. Select Committee's um, request wow. for his records, and the Supreme Court just was like, "No, we're not going to fucking do that." Wow. Wow, that's no, it's, that's great. it's related well, to this National Archives case too, where Trump has taken classified materials out of the National Archives. And yeah. again, if John or I or anybody listening to this had done that, we'd probably already be in prison. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. More that kind of classified stuff. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Again, it's more complicated when it's a former president. I understand all that sort of stuff, but Jesus, show some fucking, uh, some, you know, urgency. On this. this is this is kind of amazing, though. I'm I'm intrigued. Is that I assume that means that immediately the National Archives can start turning over the uh, Library of Congress, whoever can start turning over the documents to the committee. I assume so. I don't. I mean, he may try to I follow mean, another. This, I don't know how he does this, it. This is only going to be wow. Um, the documents, just as a reminder, this of course will only be the documents that he has not already destroyed. <laughs> um, yes. Um, Yes, there, there, there's probably a decent number of documents that we will frankly never see yeah. because of of the large shredding slash toilet slash eating slash burning bag right. operation going no, on. No, that's there. true, unfortunately. But yeah. yeah, but 
but clearly there are other documents that that survived the process and uh and the national archives did refer this to the justice department and january 6th committee did request these documents and trump asked supreme court to not allow it and they have resoundingly quickly said no wow that's great <laughs> that's really good. That, that is great. And again, um, an eight to one decision. I mean, at this point, you know, I just assume that Clarence Thomas literally is like doing back channel phone calls with them saying, hey, what would you like me was to it, do? Was it Thomas? I'm assuming. You're right. I should look before. I'm just curious, but I mean, I assume no, it was. It's, but... it, it's, um, it's uh, important to, to get that right. So why don't you look while I look too? Let's see. Oh, Supreme Court, Trump. Supreme Court. Right, because sometimes when stuff is just breaking, it's literally like a one sentence. No, it just must have. It must have just broken. Yeah. Oh wait, here we go. Here we go. Axios, eleven minutes ago. Uh, Supreme Court on Tuesday rejected former President Trump's latest request to block the National Archives from releasing records to the House January 6th committee. The court's rejection marks a formal end to Trump's efforts to prevent lawmakers from getting White House visitor logs and other documents. Archives said it released the records to the January 6th committee last month after the court rejected. Hmm, weird. They released it last month. Trump's attorneys had argued that releasing would seriously cripple the order left intact a lower court's decision that said while Trump can invoke executive privilege, the sitting president does not need to honor it. Oh, that's funny. That's interesting. But it still doesn't say still doesn't say who voted, but it's such a the re- sitting president doesn't need to honor it? Yeah, yeah. Well, but the sitting president, yeah. thankfully, is it says no. Is, yeah, so this this that was literally eleven minutes ago. That's where we're not getting more details. So all right. Okay. Well we'll have to see. So I, I, see I, don't, I don't see who, who it is. I mean uh-huh. again. You, you could almost be a thousand percent sure. You could almost bet your life on the fact that mm. if it's not Thomas, it'd be one of the other two who I think at this point are almost insurrectionists. It's hard to believe it's not Gorsuch, Thomas, but yes. Gorsuch yeah. and uh, Alito yeah. are the other two that are that are yeah. on the – It's got to like, be Thomas. I mean, I mean, they're so yeah. far to the right. I don't even – I mean they're not even – Yeah. It's got to be they, Thomas. They, We'll see. Yeah, I would be shocked. Oh, and you, you know. brought up the UK. The UK is sanctioning five Russian banks and three oligarchs. Uh, the oligarch stuff was already um, – they were already banned or something five years ago, somebody said. So that's why they thought that was a little weak. The banks, I'm not sure, but basically it was – they're playing games with the oligarchs. It's oligarchs they already went after previously, apparently. Yeah. Just throwing that in. But nonetheless, this is considered a first step, so you know, I'm happy to wait and see – you know, on that, you know, I guess that's we're just okay. gonna have. I guess we're just gonna have to see. You know, um, I don't know if we've got much else. It's funny. I really wanted to just do a lot of on the, uh, you know, actually, you were gonna say with the truckers and everything else and this new realignment you were calling it with Greenwald well, and Russia. Was there something other point well, there that I mean, you wanted to get into? I mean, it's the same thing. It's a realignment around around extreme right wing white nationalist politics. It can be. It, it's pro Putin. It's pro truckers trying to shut down vaccine mandates it's it's pro insurrection and arguing you know that that the insurrection was either planned by the fbi or a, a walk in the park that doesn't make sense but it doesn't matter they just try to throw it i mean that's really all i want to say is that you know it, people should be looking tulsi gabbard is speaking at cpac which you probably saw yeah amazing which is the big conservative conference every year 
I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's know, just I hate to say hard. this, but again, and people point this out, and I don't, I don't do the cult of personality thing like some people, even some people on the left do. One figure is amazing. There's no one or whatever. But I do like to point out when people are right. And Hillary Clinton, mm. yet again. Oh, God, remember? That, when she pointed out that what's-her-name was being groomed uh, by the Russian right, which you could really just call it now, Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, I, you know, yet again, like everything else she said about Trump and so yeah. much else, she was right. I mean, I think I forgot the me, quote exactly, but it was it was she was Tulsi tried to claim she called me a Russian agent and the, and it didn't say that. It she really didn't. didn't she say just, that. Well, they asked her what she thought yeah. about the Russians or whatever. And she said, I believe that there is one. She didn't even say Tulsi's name, and that just yeah. shows you how sensitive Tulsi was. She's like, yeah. I believe there is one on our side who, much like Trump, the Russians are – she used the word grooming, but are sort of yeah. recruiting, or I don't remember the word she used. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she was right. Yeah. She was right. And, you know, it's that connection, and you and, and Tulsi, just like Glenn, is being paid But also that, going to CPAC. Being I mean, paid by that garbage uh, – you know, com- Peter Thiel competitor. You know, I think calling it. A oh, are they, is, is she? Credit. Oh yeah, she got paid a six figure sum to to no. count. Yeah, to join their th- get out here. Yeah. Wow. So she has a Rumble account. She's speaking at back. She's out there attacking Biden. I mean, she's she's fully. Wow. I mean, you know, again, we've known a lot of this stuff for a while. How to give them uh, credit? They know how to like. I mean, they just buy people, man. That's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, you do have to give them credit in that way, but I, I wouldn't act like it's some brilliant stroke of genius when you've no, stolen but they've millions got the money of dollars to do from it. the state. <laughs> yeah, they got easy. money to do it, though. I mean, this is something – again, I, what I mean is this is how Republicans message. They want to develop a grassroots. They fake it. They pay money to get people to join the organization and big names and all of that. I mean, you know, anybody ever offered you money to join some social media feed, Cliff? Absolutely not. I've gotten yeah, exactly. offered – Small amounts of money to speak at a couple places, uh, and it usually yeah. is in the hundreds. <laughs> um, hundreds and, and hundreds of dollars. Hundreds and hundreds of dollars. I'm trying to think of I've ever – and then I, I was offered, I guess, a similar horseshoe type. If you want to count that way, people trying to buy off people on the left mm-hmm. um, to to make someone seem bipartisan. I did once get a big oil offer that I did not go forward with. Oh, big so, oil? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, or one or two other uh, right wing. Yeah, oil would be oil would be interests. tough. <laughs> it's like no. Yeah. Oh well. So I mean, so I mean, they do that, but no, I've never been offered for social media to go somewhere. And if they're offering, yeah. you know, the likes of Glenn Greenwald and Tulsi Gabbard and people like that, it, it, it tells you everything you need to know. They need their cover. They need yeah. their far left folks to show up there and make it seem like it's bipartisan and that we're all the bad guy. That's and that's why I finally just went after Glenn and ripped the shit out of him. Because his whole project is making it seem like the realignment that's happened is a realignment of of evil neocon forces or like people like you and me are now yeah. best friends with Liz Cheney, as opposed to a realignment yeah. in reaction to a white nationalist pro Putin anti-science takeover of the Republican Party and then paying people like Greenwald to join oh, them for the ride. And so the people that have any ounce of, of care for the United States of America or any ounce of independence in the Republican Party have left and joined people like us. Yeah. It was it's a it's a, it's in completely in reaction to what they've done. And and that's what I was trying to point out the other day when poor little Glenn got his feelings hurt and tried to insult me back and then I insulted him a lot and then other people did then he ran away because he's such it a tough me. guy. 
It was me. He's so, he's so tough behind the keyboard and with his armed guards up in his mansion in Brazil. That, that's what I would have to wear. He, he, he tries. He I saw this that. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to have you analyze it sometime, John, if you hmm. feel like, like, is this related to, to at all? Do you think is it, does this happen to certain gay men what? where for some reason they feel a need to try to like overcompensate on the toughness side? I don't know. I'm asking you. I've not seen, you know, you could think psychologically, but I've not seen that. I really haven't at all. Now, now you could still, you know, the fact that I'm gay doesn't make me more bombastic and willing to attack people and call people out and stuff. Probably. I'm not probably, maybe, you know, it's, it's mixed with also my mom and dad's personality and all of that. But, but part of it is, you know, that, Right, you feel like well, I'm just asking because Glenn's case, you as a kid, and you can finally your your super weapon is your brain and your mouth. So maybe I mean, to so a degree, for me, I, I feel like with Glenn, it's a combination, you know? and you know, you can pick any factors that you think led to it. But hmm. he felt like this rejected loser who nobody liked, uh, and had to run off to Brazil and find a guy half or less his age because he needed to have intellectual and and financial dominance, which is totally in his personality, his authoritarian personality because he can't seem to get along with anybody, you know, suing landlords is this litigious history. I mean, he's got all these things in his history. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not surmising it comes from being gay. I literally was just asking you, I'm surmising it yeah. comes from, uh, from just these deep seated insecurities probably has a lot more to do with him thinking his parents never loved him or something. You know, I have no idea. But there, I mean, I, yeah, again, I'm, I wouldn't postulate anything like that, but, but I just think there's a lot going on in that boy's head and it's not good. Unfortunately, yeah. there's just, you know, I think honestly, you see it with Rick Grinnell and, and all the, uh, with even Kaylee Mack and Andy Don Jr. But that's what is, you see it with a lot of, so with the straight ones too. So it doesn't make me well, think I, that's why I was literally just asking. No, you no, no. But the gay, but the case. gay, the gay thing adds its own element of upbringing. I mean, it adds its own issues to it, but I think there is an angriness to these people. And it, it is, right. it, it's like the word animus, except that it should be like angrim, angrimus. It's a little bit different than animus, but they're just angry at their core. And yes, I they're don't just, know it's not just I, I would call it worse than that. Like it's not just mm-hmm. angry, it is grievance. It is a hatred yes. for the world. Yes. It's a resentment of this planet for creating them. Almost. Yes, that, that's what I said. It's like it's the but it's the you ever see you ever angry, see the movie um yeah. you ever see the movie um uh Tombstone? No. You know, no, why? Uh, it, it, there's a line with the, the 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 bad character, and it was a Johnny Ringo, <laughs> the, the awful character who's fighting the Arabs. Hmm. And they ask, he's like, "What's wrong with a man like that? What makes him hate so much?" You know, and Val Kilmer, who should have gotten an Academy Award for playing Doc Holliday, hmm. was like, "You know, something along the lines of, he's got so much hate in him. He's like, hate for what? Hate at the world is what he says. Like, why? For hmm. being born." <laughs> and there's just a lot to that. Like, like it, yeah. he just. He, he there's this vicious, resentful, over the top nastiness, you know. And I guess for yes. me, my problem is is I care about policy, and I think he he scares people off of Twitter with what he does, and he def, you know yeah. he kind of deforms the debate. So I feel if I can do anything to stop that, but also, man, I don't know what it is about me, but I just fucking hate bullies. People that will go and use yeah. their power to bully other people, the way Glenn attacks people who have well, 120 followers. There's a dishonesty too them. about it. Yes. Oh, you're right. Actually, you're right. There's a there's a control power coming down and slamming people. And yep. yeah, 
there is that and, aspect. And, and, and yes. why that need that that because he clearly feels so weak inside. I mean, so much of his shtick is about strength. I mean, he does it all the time. Oh, you're so weak. You act like you're tough. Yeah. You know, but but you know, but you 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 would never go fight. You'd never go. I mean, like that's a lot of his shtick. Yeah. Is this sort of faux well, that's troll. That's troll shtick. Yeah. Wait, don't you go fight in the world? First of all, I mean, literally, it's like saying, um, okay, let's say this would be Glenn on Black Lives Matter. You want police to stop beating up black men? Why aren't you out there stopping the police? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Why right. are you out there just putting a, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Like what the, it's, it's actually there. What really bothers me. I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent is, and this is something that I still haven't really put a finger, a, a fine point. Oh, there's some woman with red and green hair on CNN. That was interesting. Um, awesome. I think she was one of the Olympic people who did her hair before that uh, color. And now it's half green, half red. It was kind of like, Ooh, Christmas. Yeah. Um, but there is, makes there her is, happy. There is something with them, and especially somebody like Glenn, where they claim to be these fighters for freedom and all of this. Yeah. And again, you see it a lot with the far left, meaning like the communist left or the, the actual socialist left, not like the good ones, the, the crazy socialist yeah, international left with the red roses and crap. But a lot of these guys, they claim to be for freedom and they claim to be for the little guy and the worker and all of this. Well, we've talked about this before. They don't care about civil rights and they don't care about the downtrodden. Again, if if you're Palestinian, they care about you. Mind you, if you're Jewish, if you're an Israeli, they don't care about you. Right. So if bombs go, I mean, Israel's history of of terrorism against them, they don't care about that. Um, They care about the Palestinians. Again, okay if you care about the Palestinians, but then why don't you also care about the Ukrainians? With their people right. getting destroyed by an evil, powerful foreign enemy of white people and blah, 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 or whatever, yeah. whatever pushes your boat. And another thing, I, though, you know, a big thing about Glenn's, though, is, you know, it's in, in addition to his whole, like, you know, hmm. the toughest to go fight there, is you'll see when he fights with journalists, a lot of it ends up being, you know, oh, how tough was it sitting on your sofa and getting that? You haven't gone out and done anything real. Of course, he's implying that he did something real with Ed Stone, yeah. who literally yeah. stole documents and who, by the way, handed them to him. <laughs> I would argue is one of the biggest mistakes I ever made giving that guy any of the benefit of the doubt back then. The guy, I think it's it was, no, oh was a simple Russian, simple yeah. Russian op and he was a traitor. And that's, yeah. that's where I've come to. But he, in any waited case, in, he waited in the other day. And clip, right. the only he's, reason he's, we're having war in Ukraine is because the Western media and the Western countries right. are pushing it. It was he like tweets that oh, from Ed, Moscow or wherever he is in Russia. Yeah, okay. yeah, he's a traitor. But here's the thing um, uh, that that Glenn does that, and of course doesn't you know, and acts how tough he is, and fails to mention that literally he had a billionaire Pierre Omidyar while he was with the Intercept paying for him to have armed guards protecting his little hacienda all the time. Right. And now, since then, he's making even more money. So I guess either Peter Thiel's paying for it or he's paying for himself. He's doing the same thing. And so that's, of course, he's acting like this tough, oh, I'm like, really? And that's what I went after him for yesterday. Right. And of course, that's when he ran away. Oh, yeah. really? Have you, have you said hi to your guards, your armed guards tonight? Have you yeah. gotten them their dinner? Or, I mean, yeah. you can just sit there and do it all day long and mock him about it. And, and you know yeah. it gets him so fucking angry. Yeah. So that's anyway, that's, I don't get it, but you know whatever fuck him what do you do um all right let's call it quits let's yeah, call it quits. We, we went so, a little bit over an hour we are done yeah, we'll see what happens with all of this i just i as i said i'm gonna leave you with that thought that you don't put 190,000 troops on the border if all you're going to do is recognize a breakaway province because you could have done that with no troops on the border so something else I is going think, on there's no, another plan i still think he's gonna go into these eastern 
provinces. I don't think he's going to even invade all of Ukraine. Yeah. But I do. I think he's going to go in. I think he's going to grab these eastern provinces and instigate a kind of a, you know, and then we're going to sanction the. He wants to annex it. I mean, he wants to annex those provinces right. to Russia. That's that's next. But the question his, is, you when. know, and his his view of things, it's a lot like the right and the media. He gets the media too, sadly. That we operate in because the international media has the same problems our media, which is they just move on. So he knows if he can brave it, that first sort of year, you know, or whatever, and right. the blowback from like like with Crimea, you go in whatever. Now it's part of his his empire. Yeah, you know, and that's what I think. In the end, now his aspirations to do more. I don't think he's going to stop there, but I think for now he's going to stop there. Again, piecemeal shit. He takes a little bit yeah. here takes a little bit there. I yeah. do think he's going to do that. I don't think he, I don't think at least right now he's going to do anything beyond that, but. Yeah. I just, but he's got those troops on the border. And unless he just starts to bring them home and say, this is what I wanted to accomplish, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. No, no, I know. But uh, those troops you know? on the border can go into those two and fully take over those two provinces. Oh yeah. But then we get the full sanctions and everything else in principle. Right. We hope we do. Um, yeah. Anyways. All right. We'll call it quits. All right, guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, unless like you know, unless something, anybody, unless something insane happens, we'll, people we'll try to hack into our uh, yeah, or that too. <laughs> that was um, bizarre. We, and it was totally normal will... today. Totally normal today. But yes, right. Hey, if that had happened even as recently as like five or six years ago, I would have been what the fuck. Ever right. since uh, the Trump Trump ran for president, there's nothing that seems weird anymore. Nope. All right, guys. Uh, Thursday or Friday, we be back. Take it easy. <laughs>